Hey guys, this is Aiden from the Long May She Rain podcast. While I have your ear, let me tell you a bit about my podcast. I created the Long May She Rain podcast to give voices to all the women of history from ancient times to the modern world. And if you like crazy interesting stories and my poor attempts at humor, you would love my podcast. Although, a word of warning, don't start with my first episode. Now back to your regularly scheduled podcasting. Goodbye! Gamar Zoba, everyone! Before we get into today's show, I want to extend you an invitation to the fourth annual Intelligent Speech Conference. Intelligent Speech is a 100% online conference that connects independent, educational podcasters like myself with you, the fans, for a one-day event. I'll be speaking about the Georgian influence on the Holy Land. Tickets are on sale now, but if you buy before May 15th, you get 10 bucks off. You can get an additional 10% off if you use the code SAC. S-A-K. That's 18 bucks for a day with your favorite educational podcasters. Go to www.intelligentspeechconference.com to learn more and purchase your tickets. I'll see you on June 25th from 9.45 a.m. to 6.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. All the information can be found in the episode transcription. And now, on to the show. Mamaoshveno, Romelihar Satashina, Tsminda Ikaven Saheli Sheni, Movedin Supeva Sheni, Ikaven Neba Sheni, Vitarsat Satashina, Egretsa Kvekanatsa Zeda, Puri Sheni Arsobisa Momets Shvendehes, Damomiteven Shven, Tananadebni Sheni, Vitarsa Sheven, Mivoteveb Tanadebta Mat Sheventa, Danushtemikvaneb Sheven Gansa Delsa, Aramed Mixnen Sheven Borotisagan. Gamar Joba, and welcome to the History of Sacarvelo, Georgia. I'm your host, Roberto, and this is episode 18, Brought to the Light. In this episode, we'll see the factors that led to Miriam's Christianization. I guess this is a great time to promote the Long Mishi Rain podcast. They recently made an episode about Tamar the Great, and I recommend you check it out. The link will be in the episode transcription. It's a quick dive in, into Tamar and her reign, and we still have a few centuries to go before we reach her. In our last episode, we saw how Cartley was subjugated by the Roman Empire after the Treaty of Nisibis, and closed out Mirian's pre-Christian life. Mirian also repeatedly fought back the northern Caucasian tribes and supposedly attempted to take control of the Persian Empire. Life was peaceful within Mitisheta. The Hostroy dynasty has been growing over the years. Mirian's son, Rev II, had been married to Salome, the daughter of King Tirdat, and given the land surrounding Ujarma to prepare him for his role as king. His other son, Varaz Bakur, had been sent off to Constantinople as part of a hostage deal with the Roman Emperor. His unnamed daughter was married off and living somewhere in the Persian territory. Mirian had fallen into a city routine. He would listen to his nobles and people, helping them as he could, go to the north and fight the northern Caucasian tribes, and praise Armaz and Ahura Mazda. Despite his boredom, peace was good for Kartli and caused the land to become prosperous under his long tenure on the throne. Before we continue, 
We should acknowledge that the following isn't really history, but legend. That isn't to say that we're setting out to debunk anyone's religious beliefs, but rather to say that some aspects of the story more properly belong in the realm of religious tradition than secular history. For example, Jesus of Nazareth is generally accepted to have been a real person by most historians, but stories about miracles he performed aren't exactly what you call empirically verifiable. That said, religious tradition is all we have for this time period, and you can get a window into what sort of sources historians are often forced to work with. Which of the following is plausibly true and not is up to you. Things soon grew dreary in the palace. Queen Nana became bedridden, and physician after physician from all over the land came to examine her. She was suffering from a grave and acute disease, and her end seemed nigh. The palace fell into despair as it became apparent the much-beloved queen would perish, and Mirian would once more have to find a new wife to be by his side. Then, one of Nana's servants approached her during her routine care for the queen. She had heard from among the other servants and people of the city that there was a healer in Tesieta residing in the king's garden under a blackberry bush. She had recently healed a great many people through the power of prayer and had saved the life of a boy who was near death himself. Nana asked her for more information about the woman, but the servant could only respond that this was an escaped slave from Rome, and her name was unknown to them. Nana ordered her servants to bring this woman to her, so that she could attempt to heal her. Nana's servant scrambled out of the palace, and approached the blackberry bush. The mysterious woman was found under said bush, with a grapevine cross beneath it. She was praying to someone she called her lord and father, leaving the servants confused. One of the servants tapped the praying woman on the shoulder. The woman stopped praying and looked up at the group of servants. In a commanding voice, they proclaimed that she was ordered by Queen Nana to come to the palace. The woman introduced herself as Nino and stared at them, responding, I am not allowed to go where there is no comfort for us. Let the queen come to the place of my dwelling and she will be truly cured by the will of Christ. What a way to set boundaries. Go Nino. The servants were taken aback and unable to respond, rushed to the palace. They told Queen Nana what this slave woman named Nino had told them. Nino, a runaway slave, had given a counter order to the queen. The audacity. Nana had half a mind to force the issue, but due to her grave illness, she acquiesced to Nino's request. Her servants were ordered to bring her coach and take her to Nino. Placed into the coach, she was accompanied by her son Rev, who was aiding his frail mother. The coach soon departed, and an entourage from the palace followed the queen and prince. The sound of horses and carts could be heard throughout the city, and Queen Nana approached the garden where Nino resided. Nino was still found by her blackberry bush. The queen approached the woman. Her movements must have been strained, and the sound of effort must have resounded through the quiet garden. Nino aided the queen, dressed her in a hair shirt. Now equal before the cross and to the Lord, Nino started praying over Nana and implored for God to cure the Queen of Cartley. She grabbed her grapevine cross, which had the miraculous ability to heal those it touched, and made the sign of the cross upon Queen Nana. Queen Nana's image started changing. With each touch of the cross, her pale face regained color. Once the words, Amin, left Nino's lips, Queen Nana shot up, her body completely glowing with her newfound vigor. Something seemed different about Nana, however. 
She looked at Nino and began crying and giving her thanks for the help she had given her. Whatever pagan beliefs Queen Nana held for Amazi and Ahura Mazda dissipated with her newfound love for Christ. These pagan gods had done nothing for her in her sickness, and yet here, a god that she had persecuted and looked down upon had saved her in her time of need. Queen Nana decided that this was the god to worship, and she took on Nino as a dear and intimate friend and asked her questions about Christianity. Back at the palace, King Mirian had entered into a depressive state. Here he was, about to lose another wife, and she had just gone out to visit a mysterious healing woman whose prayers might not even do anything for her. The sound of chatter and laughter could be heard from the palace entrance, and Mirian turned around confused. He approached the sound and saw his wife walking with their son Rev, and she was full of life. Mirian was astonished and asked what she had done to speed her recovery. Queen Nana told her husband about her experience of the mysterious healing woman named Nino and how she was able to cure her by prayer, the touch of a cross, and the light of God. Mirian was skeptical because his wife had been an enemy of Christians before this. He looked over at his son Rev and asked if what his mother had said was true. Rev agreed, and the entourage that accompanied them also confirmed the story to Mirian. With his curiosity piqued, Mirian decided to take it upon himself to learn more about Christ and decided to do this in an open manner. Tradition held that only a woman could teach a woman about God and as such a man must teach a man. Asking his wife for any Christian acquaintances of her friend Nino, Mirian was brought into communication with one of Nino's disciples, a Jewish convert named Abiatar. They sat together and discussed the Bible together along with many other things. During their discussions, they found that the Holy Scripture told things in the exact same manner that a book that Miriam owned, the Book of Nebroth. This confirmed that everything the Bible and Abiata toward Miriam was true. Despite receiving the teachings of Abiatar and Nino, and his wife's attempts of explaining the Christian faith, Miriam still found it difficult to accept Christ. After all, since he was seven, he had been charged with caring for both Armaz and Ahura Mazda. He remembered the oath that his father, Baram II, had made to the Kartveli Aristavi. He would keep and worship Armaz while still worshiping Ahura Mazda. Converting now would be turning his back on the Kartveli people and all the things he had promised to uphold. This was hurting Mirian inside and his mind was undecided until his cousin, the chief priest, Huara, fell sick. Mirian's heart sank as he was close to his cousin. Fearing for Kwada's life, Mirian marched to Nino's humble abode. Queen Nana was scrambling behind the king, as she didn't know how exactly he would treat Nino. He ordered Nino to heal the chief priest Kwada, just as she had cured his wife. Doubt still lingered in Mirian's mind though, as Nino's insistence that it was Christ and not the Kartveli gods Armaz and Zaden that gave her her healing abilities. He raised his voice at Nino and spoke condescendingly to her. Quote, by the will of what god are you curing people? Whose daughter are you? Armazes or Zodans? You came from a foreign country and have found their protection, and they showed you their grace, granting you the power to cure so that you would be able to survive in a foreign country. Let their greatness last unto the ages. You should be for us like a wet nurse of our children and be respected in this town, but do not say foreign words. Do not preach the faith of the lost Romans. We do not wish to talk of all that. For let the great gods, the lords of the worlds that radiate the sun, send rains and raise seeds upon the earth. 
the gods of Kartli, Armaz, and Zadin, that know all the secrets, the ancient gods of our fathers, Gatsi and Gaim. Let them remain believed in by our people. If you cure this nobleman, I will make you rich and an inhabitant of Mitisieta, servant of Armaz. And though air and hail have threatened it with destruction, this place is invincible. The god of Kartli, Armaz, and the god of the Chaldeans, Etrusian, are enemies. The former set upon the latter the sea, and he responded with this storm. Such is the practice of the lords of the universe. Let this order be accepted by you." End quote. Nino looked up at this tall figure of a man. Despite him being a king, he was still a pagan, and one who would have her move away from Christ. She responded to him, like a teacher to a child. You, king, are blessed already in the name of Christ by the prayers of his mother and all the saints. God, the creator of heaven and earth, of all the creatures, reveals to you the sparks from the fire of his great, glorious, and countless grace to help you in understanding the height of heaven, the light of the sun, the depth of the sea, the breadth and foundation of the earth. You must know, King, of the one who covers the sky with clouds, whose will shakes the air, whose force moves the earth and strikes lightning, whose footprints leave the fire of his wrath. All this I told you so that you could understand that God is in heaven. He is invisible for those who he created, except for his son, who came from him here upon the earth in the shape of a man and performed all that he had to do. He ascended to his Father in heaven, and there he alone beheld the Eternal One, who sits high but sees the lowest, and discerns what is high from far away. O King, close is the hour when you will see the God, for there is wonder in this city. The cloak of the Son of God is here. Some say that there is the sackcloth of Elia here, and there are many wonders which God reveals to us. And now I will cure your nobleman by the will of Christ, my God and the cross of his passions, as I cured the queen of her painful disease. And when I told all of this to her, she was only eager to do her best to illuminate her soul and to bring her people to God. Read by Sarah from the Rejects and Revolutions podcast. Thank you. Mirian was taken aback by Nino's response. This ex-slave just had the audacity to speak in such a manner to the king of Cartley. Did she have a sort of death wish? Much like his wife, Mirian understood that his cousin and chief priest, Juara, was in danger. And Nino's healing abilities were proven. Juara was brought to Nino's bush, and she made him face the east, lifted his frail body up, and whispered in his ear something for him to chant. I renounce you, devil, and follow Christ, son of God. I renounce you, devil, and follow Christ, son of God. I renounce you, devil, and follow Christ, son of God. As Juana renounced his pagan gods, Nino cried throughout the process. She prayed incessantly to help this man see his holy light, and the process repeated for a day and two nights. At the end of the second day, Quara's body began to shake intensely, and a dark shadow escaped from his body. The priest rose from his stretcher. He had recovered, and at that moment he shed his priestly garb. 
He renounced Ahura Mazda then and there. He asked Nino if he could become her disciple and brought his whole household into the light of the Lord. Juara's conversion to Christianity enraged Miriam. His chief priest for Armazi and Ahura Mazda had just converted and his wife had long converted at this point. Despite his original curiosity, he had remained staunch in his support for the gods that he knew. He had experienced a moment of weakness when Queen Nana had become sick and converted, but he knew better. Miriam embraced Armaz and Ahura Mazda with renewed vigor. Summer arrived, and in true royal fashion, Miriam set out on a hunting trip. He arrived at the outskirts of the town of Muknari, accompanied by four of his closest friends. Becoming one with nature appealed to Mirian, as the wilderness only strengthened his love for Armaz and Ahura Mazda. Away from his palace life and the Christians that were becoming more and more frequent within the palace, he found himself at peace. He returned to his hunting camp, where he found his friends with their hunting knives ready. They had been preparing for their hunt, while Mirian frolicked. Miriam brought himself close to his friends and proclaimed to them that these so-called Christians had enjoyed their freedoms for too long. They were practicing some sort of magic and Miriam had had enough. Once they returned to Metasieta, they, the Kartveli, must persecute and eliminate all who serve Christ and do not return to the arms of Armaz and Ahura Mazda. One of his friends looked at Miriam and pointed out that Queen Nana was a Christian. Miriam, flames in his eyes, said that if Nana refused to embrace the Kartveli faith, he would forsake the love he held for her and destroy her with all of the other Christians. A collective sigh of relief came from Miriam's small entourage as they had long harbored thoughts against this growing Christian faith and they were awaiting for Miriam to return to his senses. Jumping onto his horse, Miriam ascended Shkolti Mountain located outside of Mukhnari and went to the top. He stood at the peak and surveyed his lands. Then, the world seemed to end before his eyes. The sun grew dark, and it became night at midday. Mirian was wrapped in darkness and lost his sight. He wandered the lands, blinded from the loss of the sun. Mirian grew frightened and confused, and incessantly pleaded to Armaz and Ahura Mazda to save him from his predicament. No matter for how long he did so, his sight refused to return. He came into the intense despair and cried out upwards, quote, So I called for my gods, but found no release for myself. Now, maybe those whom Nino preaches about, the cross and the crucified one, with whose trust she cures people, are able to save me from this calamity? For now I am alive in hell, and do not know whether the whole world has been doomed or only me. If this disaster is intended only for me, enlighten me, God of Dino. Indicate to me my location, and I will acknowledge your name, erect a cross, and bow before it. I will build a house for myself to pray there, and will be obedient to the faith of Nino and the Romans. End quote. With the last word spoken, Mirian's blindness soon dissipated. He dismounted from his horse and raised his hand to face the east and to the heavens. At that moment, he accepted Christ and promised everything that he had said to restore his vision. He had looked at the location where he accepted the Lord and Savior and burned it into his memory. He jumped back on his horse and made his way back to Metasieta. On his way back, he ran into his entourage and then retracted his earlier statement to this and ended with, quote, 
Glorify the God of Nino, for he is the eternal God, and only he deserves to be glorified forever and ever. End quote. News had gotten back to the palace that Mirian was returning. They had received a warning that their king had been lost in the forest, but were glad to see him safe and sound. On Mirian's approach, a tremor was felt throughout the city. Arriving at his home, Mirian immediately asked for the location of his mother and her god, his savior. Someone told the king that Nina was at her usual location by her blackberry bush. Mirian rode off to his entourage to the garden. Dismounting from his horse, he approached Nino and told her that he had accepted Christ into his heart. Nino ordered the king to bow to the east and pray to Christ. All eyes were on Mirian. Would he listen to Nino? Crying erupted from the city and Queen Nana as Mirian bowed and prayed with Nino. The following day, Mirian sat in his palace, enraptured with his new faith, and sent envoys to Emperor Constantine, along with Nino's letter to Constantine's mother, Helen. These envoys were to tell Constantine of how Mitisieta and Mirian had converted. Mirian also demanded priests for baptism, as he wanted to make it official. While the Cardvelli waited for their priests for baptism, they all sat around Nino and her disciples as they preached and aided them in finding their path to the Lord. Meanwhile, Mirian was looking at a map of a city and wondered about how he could accomplish his promise to God. He was going to build a church and was curious about the best spot to do so. He stared intently, and all he could think of was how Nino would know the correct answer. To see images and bibliography related to today's episode, please go to our website to check them out under the episodes page at historyofsacarvelo.com. It also contains all the links to our social media and email contact information. Sacarvelo is spelled S-A-Q-A-R-T-V-E-L-O. To help this podcast continue, please feel free to donate to the podcast via Coffee or PayPal. The links are in the episode transcription and on our website. Our Amazon wishlist is also available if you'd prefer to purchase a book for us. We're also starting a Patreon, so the post with more details about that has also been posted along with this episode. The best way to help us is via a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast host, as it goes along with getting the word out about the show and helping us reach new people to learn about Georgia. Madlaba la Nachvamdis, and thank you for listening to The History of Sacramento, Georgia. See you next time. Ne vadim